This is the second week of a little two-week mini-series that we're doing called Temporary Home. And uh, this is a series about perspective. And uh, I want to take just a few moments and review last week for those of you who may not have been here. And then we're going to take it a step further today um, in this series. Uh, the theme verse for this series is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This world, the earth that we live in, is not our permanent home. He says that we are looking forward to a home that's yet to come. And we said last week that that's good news because any amount of suffering or pain or tragedy that we will ever experience in this life is going to end someday. We're going to be free of suffering. We're going to be free of pain, and that is great news. But we also said last week that the bad news is the things that we love so dearly here on this earth, the possessions that we have accumulated, the fame that we have uh, ascribed to ourselves, it's going to end as well. And what we're going to realize all too quickly when we pass from this life is that eternity is much larger than this world that we live in. In fact, it has great, great benefits to live for eternity instead of living for this earth. And so we talked about having the proper perspective last week and recognizing that a lot of the decisions that we make and a lot of the choices that we make need to be made mindful of eternity rather than just the earth that we live in because this is temporary. Now today what I want to do is I want to kind of take it a step further and kind of give you some practical um, ways to make sure that you keep the proper perspective in recognizing that this world is not your home. That when we get so engrossed and tied up in things of this world, chasing possessions, chasing positions, chasing relationships, that we'll recognize I've got to have the right perspective or I'm going to lose focus on where home really is for me. And so I want to kind of give you a few scriptures that will help us to process a perspective in a healthy way, keeping eternity in mind. And then I want to share uh, kind of a, a practical way that I personally and I think that our church is going to kind of use this system, if you will, uh, to play out. Um, so here's kind of how it goes. First of all, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10 says, by faith Abraham, now let me pause there, and uh, for those of you who may not have grown up in church or familiar with scripture, Abraham was one of the, uh, he's considered the father of the faith, he's the patriarch of the faith, he was the one that in the Old Testament back in Genesis, specifically chapter 12, as this scripture is referring to, uh, God promised that he would be the father of many nations and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, so God gives him a promise Okay, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance. So he's going to a place that he would later receive. He's not going to a place that he's already received. So he's living in a temporary reality. He's going to a place that he would later receive. He obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Think about this. Um, if you go back and look at Genesis chapter 12, specifically the first four verses, you're going to realize that Abraham was 75 years old when God gave him this promise and God gave him instructions to leave Haran, which was the home that he had made for himself and his family, all of his possessions, his home, everything that he had accumulated. God asked him to leave that and go to a promised land that he didn't even know where it was. And he chose by faith 
to obey and leave everything that many of us would really struggle to leave in this life because we feel like that's what we've worked hard for. By faith, he left. Verse number nine, by faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents and as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him with the same promise. So by faith, not only did he leave and obey God, but by faith, he made his home in a place where he was a stranger, a foreigner. It's kind of a picture of life in Christ as Peter in 1 Peter describes it. We're aliens and strangers in this world. This world is not our home if we've placed our faith in Christ. And we should live without getting so tied to the things of this world that we sometimes feel out of place. That we make decisions, as we talked about last week, that aren't tied to stuff in this world. And so Abraham, by faith, obeyed God and left his homeland. By faith, he made his home in a place where he was a foreigner and a stranger. And then verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, listen to this, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham, at 75 years old, leaves everything that he's ever built for himself to pursue a promise that he had not yet realized for himself. He made his home in a land where he was a stranger, where he was a foreigner, but he recognized that God was the architect and the builder of the home that he was going to inherit. Here's the first thing that I think that we have to realize about our lives if we're going to keep the proper perspective of eternity in mind as we make decisions in this life and as we go about living specifically if we're trying to live for Christ, is that God is the builder of our lives. He's the builder of our home. He's the master architect. In other words, instead of trying to build things for ourselves, we need to realize that God is building our lives. And it's easier for us to find him as the architect, the builder, and try to allow him to direct our steps and our paths rather than trying to build things for ourselves. Now, if you've ever attempted to build something, my six-year-old loves to build things. And from time to time, as we go to my grandparents' house, uh, actually yesterday we were there, my grandfather's got this bucket of nails and he's got some scrap wood. And in his basement, he just lays it all out and gives them hammers, which may not be the wisest thing, but they try to build things. And so they're trying to nail things together. And, and my grandfather will go to my six-year-old and say, he'll say, Landon, son, you can't build it like that. You've got to turn it this way and you've got to put it this way and do it this way. And Landon refuses to follow instructions at times. Maybe you've got a kid like this and he'll say, no, Papa, this is the way that I'm going to build it. I need it to look like this. And Papa will say, well, son, you can't, it's not going to work like that. If you turn it on its side, that nail's going to split that wood. It's not going to work. And he's like, no, Papa, it's going to work. And then he'll split the wood and he'll get all upset. And Papa will be like, I was trying to teach you something. You ever tried to build something for yourself and it didn't work out? In life, whether it's relationships or positions or uh, trying to make decisions that are best for yourself. And sometimes you just come to the realization like, I don't have everything figured out. It's easier to live life with that mindset than to figure it out after you make decisions. 
And so if we can step back in life and just say, you know what? God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He has a plan not only for the world, but he has a plan specifically for my life. He has a purpose for my life. And if I recognize that he is the master builder, if he is the architect of my life, then it takes the pressure off of me from trying to build things for myself. I think with good intentions at times, I'm guilty of trying to build something for myself that would honor God. Like trying to say, God, I'm going to do something really great for you. I'm going to do something that makes you proud of me. And it's almost like I can later, looking back on it, hear God saying, just stop and let me take care of the design. Let me take care of the architect work. And you just follow the instructions. And if we have a proper perspective of eternity and this temporary home that we live in, we realize that God is working behind the scenes in our lives He's, he's acting and willing his purposes for us. There are things that happen that are out of our control and for good purposes are out of our control because he is leading us in directions that will not only benefit and bless us, but will bring glory to him. And so we've got to stop trying to build a name for ourselves. Stop trying to build the, the perfect life for ourselves. And we've got to start realizing that God's in control and we start surrendering to his will. And we start praying prayers like, you know, God, what would you have me do in this situation? Or, or what's your plan for my life in this area? Or how should I go about? And James tells us that if any man lacks wisdom, that God will give him wisdom. And if we learn to lean into God being the builder and the architect, then we will acquire such great blessings in this life that we would never have experienced Otherwise, so that's the, that's the first thing. We learned that from Abraham, that he was able to obey God at 75 years old because he trusted that God was in control of his life and following God would produce greater benefit for his life than staying in a place where he was comfortable. So we recognize that God is the builder. And then after recognizing that God's in control, he's the master architect, he's the builder of our lives, we learn to live by faith and not by sight. We learn to live by faith and not by sight. What that means is in this world that we live in, just because we see something with our eyes doesn't mean that's the reality that God has in store for us. Living by faith is Abraham saying, I'm leaving everything that I've grown accustomed to, everything that I've worked hard for, and I'm going into the unknown because I believe that God has something better for me outside of my comfort zone. See, when we see things happen around us, we see hardship, we see pain, we see confusion, we don't always see it as temporary. We see it as something that engrosses us to the place that we can't escape the grasp sometimes of the pain or the suffering or the confusion or whatever that temporary system is. But have you ever realized later in life that the pain that you once endured was for your good? Like some of us are really glad that someone dumped us because if we had lived our lives with them, like it wouldn't have been nearly as good as it is now. I'm so thankful at times that I have to endure hardship because God is producing something in my life. I heard someone once say that so many times we hear God say no when in actuality he's saying grow. That he uses difficult circumstances of our lives sometimes not to keep blessings from us, but to teach us, to mold us, to grow us into a position where we can experience greater things in him. 
Listen to what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-7 through 7 says. This is Paul writing in a second letter to a church in Corinth. And he says, Now that we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, speaking of our bodies, the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we, can, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So when this earthly body passes away, when we breathe our last breath and, and whatever that looks like, that your family buries you, cremates you, whatever that is, when your life ends, it doesn't really end. You're just transitioning from this temporary home to a permanent home, and so we have confidence that, that there's an eternal house for us. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. You ever just wish like you didn't have to deal with life? Like, I just wish this would end. I wish I wouldn't have to deal with this stuff. It's the beauty of our permanent home is, is there's not going to be any of that stuff that we hate about life. Everything's going to be perfect and beautiful. And so we long for that, verse 3, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal but may be swallowed up by life. So we have this longing for what is to come, as the writer of Hebrews said. We're looking forward to something that's better than our current reality. Verse 5, Now it is God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So God sent His Spirit to live among us, to guarantee His promise of a better life even while we're on this earth. So we can experience the reality of God's presence in our life because of the Holy Spirit that lives with us. Verse 6, therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Verse 7, we live by faith, not by sight. Live by faith, not by sight. God's our master architect. Now, I've got to live by faith and not by sight. I may not understand his plan for my life. I may not understand why certain things happen to me. But if I allow my eyes to stay focused on the stuff that happens to me, I lose sight of what he wants to do in me and through me. So when I learn to trust that God's the builder of my life, he's the great architect, then I can learn to see the things of this world differently. Everything's an opportunity for God to teach me something, to make me into something, to grow me into something for his purposes on the earth. And that will lead me to a perspective that keeps eternity in mind. I know it's difficult at times to go through life without seeing what you're going through as the ultimate reality for your life. But if you're ever able to step back away from the reality, the pain, the suffering, whatever moments that you're in you can begin to perceive that maybe God is doing something in my life in spite of my current reality. See, Abraham could have said, you know, I'm going to need a little more information. I need to know exactly where I'm going. You know, I don't know if there are threats there. I don't know if I want to take my family into an unknown land. We've got a really comfortable life here that we've built for ourselves. But he trusted that God was building something in his life. And even though he couldn't see the outcome, he trusted God enough to obey and to make his home in a foreign land. And if we're ever able to learn to stop living according to what we see and start living by faith, that simply means that we're trusting God's plans for our life. We trust that in all things, God's working together for our good 
And that anything that happens in this life is an opportunity for us to grow and to become everything that he wants us to become. So we see God as the great builder, the great architect. We learn to live by faith and not by sight. And then we live according to what I'm calling an open door policy. An open door policy. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my words and have not denied my name. God can close doors that no man can open. And God can open doors that no man can keep closed. And sometimes as we try to recognize God as the master architect for our lives, and we try to live by faith and not by sight, we're faced with roadblocks. We're faced with different options. And sometimes we don't know what to do. We don't know how to live our lives. We don't know what decisions to make. And we get to a place where we have to learn to trust that God's working our life. But how do you make a decision? What's that look like? You know, how, how do you choose a career for yourself? You know, how do you really find the perfect spouse for yourself? I mean, how do you know, you know what city that you're supposed to go to? How do you understand specifically the decisions that you're supposed to make in life? And a lot of people put a lot of energy and a lot of effort into trying to discover God's will for their life. And you should. You should pray constantly. You know, God, lead me. What's your will for my life? But so many times it's difficult to decipher God's will for your life. And you may want to live by faith, but you may not hear God's voice clearly saying, pack up everything and move to a distant land. I'll reveal to you what's to come later. Maybe you just are in a season of your life where you're not really hearing much of anything. And you don't really know where you should go or how you should respond. And you've got this situation, this circumstance, this decision, but you're just kind of frozen by the reality of it and you don't know where to go. And I'm a firm believer and I'm leaning more into this, uh, specifically in this season of my life, that God can open doors for us that seem like they can't be opened and he can also close doors to keep us from going places that we don't want to go. So when we're faced with difficult situations, it's important for us to understand, okay, God, you're the great architect. You're the builder of my life. I'm trying to live by faith and not sight, so I'm trying to perceive. I don't want to just see this situation for what it is. What are you trying to do in my life? And then we recognize, is there an open door in front of us? If there's an open door in front of us, then we have to investigate that, right? We have to just consider, maybe God is leading me down this path. And if we start down that path and then the door closes, then we realize that wasn't where he wanted me to go. So I'm learning in my life to start searching for open doors. I'm trying to live according to an open door policy. God, what are you putting in front of me? What opportunities are ahead of me? And try to start finding where God's moving instead of asking God to move in my life. So let me give you a practical example here, and then hopefully in the end we can kind of uh, help you apply this to your life. Um, Synergy Church is a little over four and a half years old now. 
Um, as you can tell, we were still meeting in a gymnasium. Uh, from day one, our goal was to have a church home, right? A place that we called home, a place where we could meet, a place where we could set it up and leave it set up, and we could come in next week, and it's still going to be set up. But that hasn't been our reality. But specifically in the last year, I've been praying really hard, God, would you provide a way for us to have a church home? And over the last few weeks and uh, months, I've been like really kind of saying, God, would you just open doors for us? Would you help us to see where we're supposed to go? Would you allow us uh, to be in a church home so that we can have a greater impact in this life? So here's the reality. You have never been to Synergy Church and sat in a chair that someone didn't put out early that morning. You've never come into a gym that has drape that someone didn't come in early that morning and erect. You've never dropped your kids off in any of our children's environments that someone didn't come in early that morning and set it up and provide an environment, an atmosphere for us to have church. And while there's great benefit in having people who are committed to doing that, there's also great benefit in having a church home that you can call your own. So we've kind of been in our temporary situation and we're asking God to lead us to a permanent situation. About three, four months ago, I was made aware of a business here in town that was relocating. They were building, they were going to be leaving their current facility. And um, I am the type of person that dreams. I dream big dreams. Um, and I try not to settle for anything less than dreams, okay? And I am so guilty many times in my life of missing small things that God wants to do because I'm just like, no, he wants to do something huge, and I miss small things that he wants to do in my life. So I went by this facility, I drove by, I didn't go inside and look, and I just said, you know, that's not really an ideal home for our church. So I'll still go meet with this business owner. I went and had lunch with him. We had an incredible lunch and he talked about the opportunities. And I basically said to this gentleman, you know, I really appreciate your time and getting together, but here are the reasons why I don't think this facility will work for us. But hey, I'm going to pray about it. I kind of gave him that token response. I'll pray about it and we'll just, I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. And I had a few conversations and no one was really um, excited about the potential of the opportunity. And so I kind of let it go out of my mind. And not this past Thursday, but the Thursday before, I was out uh, riding my bike, um, Fort Yargo, doing a little mountain bike riding, and just praying as I was riding, God, would you provide a way for us to have a church home? Would you lead us into a position to where we could have a permanent facility? And it was almost like I audibly heard God say, I've put an opportunity in front of you and you aren't even considering it. And I kind of pulled my bike over and I just, in that moment, I was just like, I do have an opportunity in front of me that I haven't even really considered. Perhaps this is an open door that God has opened for our church and I'm not going to be so prideful that I'm going to refuse to walk through that door if that's where God's leading us. And here's the reality that set in into my heart. Perhaps God would have us go to a home that's less than ideal. In other words, it's not our dream home. It's not everything that we want. But perhaps he would provide a home that's less than ideal that we could stay in for a while that would help us prepare for the home 
that we really dream about. And so I began praying again. I went to this business, and the business owner was there, and he came out and spoke to me, and I said, I'm sorry it's been so long, and I haven't gotten back to you, but do you mind if I just walk through again, and maybe could we have another conversation? And he got excited, and I got excited, and we walked through, and we talked about things. And I said, do you mind if I bring some people by? And I brought some people by, and we considered, and we talked about, and we looked at options. Like I said, it's less than ideal, so there's challenges, and there's things that we're considering and working through. And I met with him again the next day. This would have been not this past Friday, but the Friday before. And we kind of laid out some basic terms on what it would look like for us to enter into this new space. And I shared it with some families in our church, and I asked people to begin praying about it, and people got excited about the potential of the opportunity. And you know, here's, here was my hope in it all. I was like, God, would you just open this door? I would love on week two of Temporary Home to be able to get up in front of our church and be able to announce we have a temporary home coming. We're moving this coming October, and life is going to change for Synergy Church. But we didn't get to that point this week. In fact, in the conversations that we had, we recognized some real challenges in renovating this space and making it work for us. There could be code issues. There's all kind of stuff to consider. And so we haven't gotten to the place where we've committed and said this is going to be our next home. But you know what I am, consider- I am committed to? It's pursuing an open door is recognizing there is an opportunity in front of us. Instead of just blowing off an opportunity and saying, that's not the best ideal situation for us, I'm saying, God, is this what you have in store for us? And so I'm having another meeting this week. Hopefully in the weeks to come, God will either show me that this is an open door and we're going to walk through it and be able to enter into a permanent facility, or he's going to close the door, and he's just going to say, this isn't the right time, this isn't the right location, maybe he's just wanting to know if I'll trust him enough to be willing to go through the door. But rather than saying, God, you've given me a dream, and I'm going to make it happen by faith, I'm going to go out and borrow millions of dollars, and we're going to build this perfect facility, and we're just going to storm the gates of hell and make it happen, I'm learning more and more just to step back and say, where's the open door? There's an opportunity. Let's investigate that opportunity. And I believe as a church that God will lead us because he's the master builder. If we'll learn to see and live by faith and not by sight, and we'll learn to recognize open doors, then we'll begin to understand what it looks like to allow God to shape our lives. I always said growing up I wanted to be an engineer. I was given a scholarship to play basketball at an engineering school. I thought my life was headed perfectly in the right direction, and then God opened an opportunity for me to become a preacher of all things. And I could have said, my dream's always been to be an engineer, and I'm at an engineering school, and this is what I want to do with my life, but I was faced with an opportunity. And rather than just saying, that's not something I want to do, I considered the opportunity. 
I prayed about it. I investigated it. I had conversations with people. And God began to confirm, this is, in fact, what I want you to do. I believe that he'll do that for our church when it comes to a permanent facility. But I also believe that he'll do that for your life and my life personally. Anytime we're faced with a decision. What's it look like to live by faith in regards to finding a facility? It doesn't mean we go out and we borrow a bunch of money and we just say, by faith we're going to do this and trust that God's going to provide. It means we look for open doors. It means when people in our church have been faithful to contribute to a future facility fund when we don't even have any solid options and they were giving to that fund, that's faith. That's believing God's going to do something. When people show up and they serve so graciously so that we can have church every week, that's faith in believing that this is temporary and I'm serving so that God can lead us where he wants us to go. Every time you invite someone to church, that's faith that we're building a church that God can lead into a place where he has us. And so I want to ask you this morning, what life decisions, what circumstances are you facing right now that you would be tempted to say, I need to do what's best to build my life in this situation. I need to do what's best for me in this situation. And I want to challenge you just to step back and say, what I see is earthly and temporary. But I want to live by faith and recognize, is God doing something through this in my life? And then begin searching for open doors. Instead of trying to take care of things ourselves, we just step back and we say, are there open doors in front of us? And then we begin to walk through those open doors. He is the builder, the great architect for your life and mine. He has a plan specifically for you. And rather than you trying to build your life to honor him, just let him build your life and trust that he is in control. Learn to see, live by faith and not by sight. Make decisions sometimes that allow God room to change you, to mold you, to make you, to grow you into what he wants you to do. And search for open doors. Don't spend your life trying to knock down closed doors. Look for open doors and begin to walk through them. Consider opportunities that are in front of you and allow God to lead you. Let me pray for us. Father, you are the great architect for our lives. And I know that your plans for my life, your plans for everyone in this room, your plans for our church are far greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine. And I pray that you would give us a proper perspective on life that recognizes that this earth is temporary. Life is just a mist. It's here one day and it's gone the next. And help us not to live to build our own lives, but allow you to build us and to make us and to grow us into who you want us to be. Help us to live life by faith and trust that you're at work in the circumstances of our life and not live by sight and get so tied into the things of this world that we see. And Father, help us to recognize open doors. I pray specifically this morning that for circumstances or decisions that men, women, or students may be facing, that you would open doors that no man can shut and that you would shut doors that no man can open. 
I pray that you would give us a clarity through the faith and the trust that we have in you to lead us into a path that honors you. Help us to see opportunities and investigate opportunities and allow you to lead us into places that we would never experience otherwise. And Father, for our church, I pray even as we're pursuing an opportunity currently for a facility, that you would open doors and close doors. I pray that you would make it extremely clear if we're not to walk in this direction, but I pray that you would also open doors and make it abundantly clear if it is. And ultimately, Father, would you lead us into a season as a church where we have a permanent home, where we can do more for the community and for the families in our church because of a facility that you've made possible. I know the things that we see, Father, are a lack of resources, the things that we see are a lack of options, but I know that you can build for us what you'd have us receive. So help us to live for a permanent home. I pray blessings over it. Every person in the room, in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.